Hello and welcome to another episode of Screen Wars, our thought leader series, where we learn from industry experts about the latest trends and challenges from across the convergent TV space. Hosted by Michael Beach. Today, I'm joined by Todd Vinnett. Todd is currently the Chief Digital Strategist at the Hale Group. The Hale Group is a fantastic firm in DC focused on advocacy, public affairs, and public relations. Please enjoy my conversation with Todd Van Etten. All right. Well, Todd, welcome to Screen Wars. Thanks, Mike. It's great to be here. Uh, you know, Before we get started, would you mind giving our audience a little bit of background on Hale Group and kind of the problem you solve? Yeah. Uh, Herald Group is a full-service public affairs agency based right here in Washington, D.C. Um, the three founding partners, uh, Matt, Taylor, and Doug, are still uh, still involved, still going strong. Um and have have built a wonderful business that mostly focuses on highly regulated industries. Um, but I think what really sets them apart is is just the the length of time that we are able to uh, work with our clients. Many of them have been with us for a decade or more um, because we understand kind of the, the thornier issues that go into highly regulated issues and kind of what has worked, what hasn't worked. Um, and you can kind of get creative about new approaches to these longer decade old fights. Uh, but specifically, so I'm the chief digital strategist at the Herald Group, um, which means I get to do, I get to have a lot of the fun. Uh, it is my job to say, what are we trying to do here? What is the piece of legislation we're trying to change? Whose mind needs to be changed? How can we get in front of them? What's the most compelling way to persuasively get someone else to see something a different way and say, that needs to change? Uh, let's do it. So, uh it's a lot of advertising. It's a lot of, you know, website development, message testing, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's amazing. And I, I know, you know, I've you know, worked together for probably 15 plus years back to our political days. Um, it's pretty amazing to see just the growth, obviously, in digital, both politics, you know, and, and kind of advocacy and public affairs and PR. And uh, just to think about how far it's come today. Um kind of how did you get from, um, you know, being a leader in kind of a digital committee to where you are today? Uh, I, I frequently think about the state of the internet. You know, we, I, I, set a, I set a website live this morning and thinking about what it used to take to bring a, a new website, both the development, uh, but then to send it live and then dealing with CDNs on a one-off basis and, and rollovers and things like that. The, the stuff that, that was arduously difficult back in twenty. Uh, no, oh five, oh six. Uh, I think about that stuff frequently when we push buttons now, and and all all works uh, easily. I I got my start uh, like so many people in Washington didn't have a connection at all. Had an unpaid internship at a place called Townhall.com, um, and two names in the space. Uh, I was I had you know the the great fortune to meet and work with Chuck DeFeo was head of uh, Townhall.com. And he introduced me to a guy named Patrick Ruffini, who uh, also has been around uh, forever, a legend in the kind of the digital space, um, right-leaning digital space. Uh, Patrick gave me my first job at the RNC. Uh, and over about six years, I went from low-level staffer to director of digital uh, there for four or five different chairmen, which, as you know, is rare. Uh, we we crossed paths there. Um, I then worked with two former bosses, Cyrus Crone and Todd Herman, um, and helped to start Crowdverb, um, which was kind of a, an early 
analytics focused public affairs firm, the idea being let's listen to the online conversation and then come up with public affairs firms, public affairs campaigns based on the composition of conversation around um, certain hot button issues. So kind of like, you know, rather than doing multivariate testing and, and putting stuff in front of people, why don't we just listen to what the organic conversation is and then say, maybe if we approach legislators with this type of messaging, we can have greater success. Or if we're trying to recruit advocates, why don't we speak their language and use kind of the digital fingerprints that they are talking about uh, to get them to sign a letter or, or uh, do a petition. So um, after Craver was purchased by Burson Marsteller, um, a very large advertising uh, agency where I worked for about 18 months um, and then basically found public affairs from there. A good friend of mine introduced me to a guy named Mike Gibson uh, and Mike Gibson worked with the Herald Group. And, and after a while, uh, the Herald Group reached out and said, let's start a conversation, which we did. And that was almost nine years ago, which is crazy to think about. Yeah, it's amazing. I think back to, you know, the crowd verb time that how uh, how much more data, even just in the next two or three years, would come out um, for a service like that versus what, you know, when we're trying to do social listening or, you know, any of those things at the time. It's amazing how that evolved. Yeah, it is amazing how it evolved. Uh, but also, you know, the, the forethought uh, that, dare I say, people like you had, looking at the available information that's out there and say, there is a way we can package this that will make it make sense to many people for whom it will be infinitely helpful. Um, I listened to the the um, uh, this the recent interview you did with Kyle Roberts as well. We we do a lot of work with that impact. A similar situation. Looking at the amount of information that's out there, um, whether it's listening online or whether it's you know advertising performance or um, who's buying what when all of that stuff to be able to one, pull it all in two understand it and three productize it in a way where it says, um, you know, this can inform many other people who are trying to do similar things. That's a, uh, that's a neat way of thinking, uh, that I'm, I'm endlessly fascinated about. Yeah. What, I mean, what are the biggest kind of challenges facing your customer base? I mean, I know you, you touch on, you know, um, you know, communications, uh, you know, public relations, public affairs, you know, a lot of different areas, but kind of what's a, what's a kind of a common use case? Uh, so, you know, most, when it comes to the public affairs campaigns that we run, um, a lot of them where we've got, you know, kind of the big ad budgets and, and the more interesting problems are super quick hit. So it's, there's a hearing in a week and we need to get in front of these five members of Congress uh, how can we best do that? And that's kind of the blue sky. Uh, you approach it with a blue sky feeling of, of, you know, what are the pieces that we have at our disposal? What have we done before? What do we know works? But also getting very creative about what are new innovative ways that we can work into this campaign uh, that are going to show additional value and maybe just maybe get a couple additional impressions on the target that's going to get them to think a different way. So, um, you know, when it comes to our campaigns, there's there's surrounding the legislator themselves uh, and using all available data about how legislators usually in aggregate, not not sometimes on an individual level, but but you know, most of the time we're talking about um, 
uh, talking about aggregate uh, information for targeting, you know, digital video is a very important piece of that and using tools like CrossScreen to optimize, you know, of this cohort, what is their media intake? How can we use that information to then inform our buys? We know they're watching Sunday shows. We know they're watching this uh, cable channel at a certain time. Um, and then with, with greater certainty, we know they are here on the internet doing these things and you can saturate them that way. But then also saying, you know, uh, they probably drive to work we know they generally live in this area. Is there a billboard along the way? Do they pass a bus stop? Are they on Metro or another way of, of getting to work that perhaps gives us an opportunity to get in front of them with it, with an additional eyeball. So, you know, when it comes to solving problems or, or what is the big thing we're trying to do with those with legislator campaigns, it's how do we get in front of them as, as much as possible? Um, and the big problem there, of course, is verification. It's, it's, we can register impressions and reach and frequency and that kind of stuff. Um, but, but really you are trusting the data on the front end that I am, that the impressions are going to the right people, either the principal themselves or the network around them, uh, who, who could impact them in a good way. The other piece of the advocacy puzzle, of course, is, is reaching constituents, um, which is, which is a similar process, different messaging usually to say, um, legislators ultimately are accountable to their constituents. How do we find, educate, persuade, and mobilize people in their district who care about this issue in a germane way that they're going to raise their hand and put in a phone call or sign a letter or sign a petition or take some other action uh, that's going to apply pressure from the constituent side for members of Congress so that they vote the right way on a piece of legislation. So the, the problem of verification, I would say, is probably one um, with the advocate side, you do there's the quantifiable letters sent through a portal or clicks or other ways that I can judge success. But um, when it comes to the other side, it's it's kind of a let's just saturate the market and see what happens. Yeah, I want to get <clears throat> kind of more into what, uh, you know, how kind of your customers would differ from like brand advertiser or really specifically what brand advertisers could learn from what you do. And you just talk about a really interesting use case of you got this really short turnaround period and what I've always been impressed, you know, that, you know, I, from my perspective, your clients really rely on you for that data, right? Because they've got to make a really quick determination. You know, you're putting a media plan together in a week or, you know, whatever the time frame is, or even if you've got one ahead of time, the conditions could really change dramatically between when you go live and when, you know, you've got a week to go. What, like, what are kind of the hardest parts of that? And what do you think, uh, kind of, you know, as you look at the wider market, people could learn from that. That's yeah. Um, so, you know, up until about five years ago, uh, and there's probably many people who would correct me on this, but I feel like media planning was, was largely based on experience. Um, one, knowing the channels that you can turn around the, the creatives and, and the, the creative channels for for distribution that you can turn around in a short amount of time. Um, but it's a lot of gut instinct of people are probably watching Sunday shows. People are probably watching these cable channels, you know, maybe uh, Rachel Maddow or, or Sean Hannity at night. Uh, you can assume those types of things based on demographic features of uh, the people you're trying to target. Um, but that's not always correct. And of course, the amount of screens that people now have in front of them on a daily basis, there, there's many more opportunities. So in the last five years, it has been around planning. Um, Planning for public affairs 
is still a bit on the frustrating side. Um, you know, I think through our DSP, a company called Stackadapt, who are fantastic, they've got a great media planner that allows you to get a general sense of, of optimization of, of, you know, an optimized media plan based on things like display, some video, some CTV, native, those components. Um, tools like Crossgrain, we, we lean on hard for the video component of that. Um, but I'm still waiting for, you know, I think <laughs> I listened to a few of these interviews. I love how you always end on kind of the what is the forward thinking, what is the uh, what is the ideal wish you know wish list of of uh, of where the industry is going. I feel like with planning, it is still in its infancy, um, at least when it comes to the full cross device, and even extending beyond that, the out of home, um, mm-hmm. all of the chances that you can digitally get in front of someone, you know, the the planning tool that is able to take a holistic look uh, at that kind of stuff, and then. Um, and then spit out a media plan that says they drive to the office this way. Uh, they then spend five minutes on this site and then watch this television, that kind of stuff. Um, that would be a fairly neat tool I would, uh, that I would, uh, use a lot. (laughs) Oh, for sure. And, and one thing, you know, we've been doing is we looked at, you know, a couple of the elections, uh, you know, Georgia Senate and. Um, that had really high saturation, you know, like more more frequency than you would ever see a, a, a brand uh, buy, like in you know, the Atlanta media market in October. And we really found that they were still missing so many people that were the target that they just couldn't yeah. reach them. Um, and you kind of really use it as a proxy to say, okay, well, if they've got this problem, then everybody else who buys less than you know 2,000 points a week <laughs> or whatever has this problem. And how do we solve it? Like you said, it's, it's not even necessarily just streaming video is going to be the answer you know even with all those things together you might still be leaving 20 percent of the target on the table um and then you know you got to use display and you got to use you know out of home like all all these methods and that's what's always interesting someone in your seat that that is responsible for all that right like that has to um kind of really glue the pieces together that's a, a complicated thing and then to do that on the fly but you know i always think that there's a an application in the wider market because even if you don't have a week to plan, if you can still get to where you can do your planning and optimization in that same time frame, then you can have a totally kind of test and learn culture in a brand, right? Because you don't you're not waiting three months till the thing's over and get your you know your book back. And uh, I've always thought that that was the area of learning from you know political and and public affairs that the wider market really would um, see tons of value if they adopted it. But it's you know it's a different yeah. use case. Yeah. I mean, the hardest part about election stuff is different than general advocacy. Sometimes you can have smaller wins on the advocacy side or incremental wins. Um, with elections, it is it is so hard to get, you know, that you have one election day and that's it. And I think we're, we are increasingly fine that the the tribalization of, you know, populations within a state, um, it is getting harder and harder to accurately poll them, take their temperature and, and, and use that as a proxy for validation of advertising, that is getting much, much and much more difficult. So you don't know until uh, until election day whether or not you were reaching the right people. I've, I've also seen the reports about Georgia about not hitting those people who need to be hit. I wonder if, 
you know, reaching frequency was just up very high on the people who were already saturated and already in that bucket. But there was nothing else to say, here is something else you can do to tell us that you've heard us and you mm. are with us or you're against us. But regardless, you're not going to move. Um, I feel like that's another case where the amount of data that's out there is, is you know, it, it is, it is, uh, it is saturating lots of people who probably don't have the tools or just the general, I'll say intelligence, just as a proxy for a way to say, this is what success looks like. This is what we're seeing. Great. We're confirming our existing strategy or, oh crap, we need to pivot because we are not seeing the type of things that we want or need to see. Um, which is why, you know, the more, the more channels that become available for messages to get out there, um, <laughs> the, the smarter you need to be about how to wield each of those channels and piece together a coherent media plan that gets the right repetition across the right platforms at the right times. Um, that's another piece of my, uh, my dream planning forecaster is going to be something like that. Something that says, not only here is what's available or give us your rate card and we will, you know, configure a media plan based on that, but it's, um, we know exactly the type of people you're trying to reach and here is the perfect way to do it with what's available and what makes the most sense at your budget rate. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, a lot of people like a you know, platform like TikTok emerges and it's great, you know, there's a bunch of reach, but that actually creates, makes, you know, your job more complicated, right? And I think that there's always a disconnect between buyer and seller where, the seller comes in, you know, we're number one at, you know, 11 PM with, you know, left-handed firemen and, and, you know, no one's, you know, pitches ever that they're not number one at whatever niche, but you know, <laughs> you've got to kind of reconcile all that and make a plan. Right. And what, what do you see as the kind of the biggest disconnect between buyers and sellers? I mean, thinking about the, just the conundrum of, of buyers and sellers, um, because of the, the speed in which we have to work, there is a lot of leaning on the types of things we do know. And the kind of channels we know are going to perform in a given time period. There's not a whole lot of time to uh, take up a new, you know, a new vendor comes in and says we can reach this many people, or or here's our unique approach to how we do things. Um, if I have something that needs to be done that week, it is hard to say, great, let's let's do a test. Here is how we're going to get an apples to apples comparison on you and what. Uh, either existing tools that I have are or what someone else is saying. I've, I've done this a few times. Uh, and I always, you know, I, I always try to entertain any vendor pitch, uh, just throwing it out there to your audience. If, if I'm, I'm always interested in the latest and greatest. Um, I also, I, I'll, I'll pat myself on the back, you know, in doing this for 15 or 20 years, within about three minutes, you can listen to a sales pitch and say, I know exactly where you fit into the market. I know exactly what you're trying to do. I know who your competitors are. And I probably have three or four people I can talk to right now <laughs> that are going to give me the skinny on what you're trying to do. Um, but at the end of the day, it is performance-based. If, if that person is selling something that everyone says, my gosh, that's snake oil. Um, if you can get it to work, you know, there have been instances where I will then engage a vendor that is promising something uh, and found something that is novel about how they do something. Um, I mean, that's... Uh, I found Stack Adapt just as a, as a vendor because I saw a really pretty native ad. Native was not something I did a lot of, um, but you know I reverse engineered the ad, found the domain, reached out to them, uh, and and they you know they've been a trusted partner for four or five years. 
um, that's the kind of thing. It wasn't necessarily a need, but they were, uh, you know, they were doing something innovative that allowed me to say, uh, that's interesting. Let's, let's take a deeper look. And if that marketing person got a bonus for that cost per lead, you were there, you're like the perfect customer. <laughs> yeah. exactly right. Yes. Found us. <laughs> they sent chocolate. I do remember that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> that also helps seal the deal. <laughs> um, well, I got just a couple more questions. Uh, one, how, how does your customers view streaming video? Uh, we do a ton of streaming video. Um, you know, generally when we talk about advocacy, uh, familiar to all your marketing clients, we, we think about a marketing funnel. Top of funnel is how we find the people who are going to have, who, who we assume are going to have some type of interest, the lightest form of interest. Video is almost always the medium that we employ to find those top of funnel people. Um, the amazing thing about streaming video and, and, and digital video in general is, is so much of it is knowable, um, not just in the direct response, the, the clicks or the finishes or the, or the quartiles, however you want to judge success with the actual show stuff, but also any type of engagement with video is knowable. Um, and I think for, for our campaigns, we call any engagement at all enough of a verification to move someone down to the second step of our advocacy funnel to put, you know, perhaps a harder ask, follow this page, uh, click here to learn more, some type of a, of a call to action um, that is going to confirm their interest. But video itself is also the type of thing where, um, I mean, following the state of the screens, uh, I think the majority of now Facebook posts involve video. Um, in a funny way that's pushing up the premium of agencies generally, because a lot of people don't have, uh, video capabilities in house. Um, there are neat platforms out there that'll help you create little rinky dink items, you know, snackable items for, for social and that kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, I, I think the push toward video, Another one of those things where, you know, things like algorithms are going to prioritize them, but whether or not they are right for either imparting the message or communicating something that is heady and hard to understand, there are always going to be questions about whether that's the right medium for it. Um, and that's a challenge we run into when people ask for animated explainers and you say, no, this is that we're talking about a 500 page research report here. We, we can't simply have an animated person explain this and then assume that it's going to be as easy as, as anything else. Um, so, you know, a lot of what we use video for in advocacy is the direct to camera advocate story, um, which are really, really helpful. Uh, they also allow for a little bit of longer form. We don't have to worry about, you can cut it into shorter bits, but um, if it's done in a compelling way, you will get people who watch the three to four to five minute videos about someone telling their story. Um, but uh, the actual deployment of it, that's where I think, um, you know, we lean heavily on on tools like CrossScreen to say, is social the best way to get this particular video out? Uh, or is it expanding beyond to other places based on the demographics and the geographics of who we're trying to reach? All right. We already kind of talked about it, but if you could wave a magic wand and, and uh, fix one thing about kind of video and kind of local video specifically, what would it be? Uh, 
programmatic uh, cable, things like that, I think are probably top of list. I think, uh, Michael, I was listening to your conversation last week, and I think you mentioned that as well. Um, that would make you know life a lot easier, I'll say, but uh, would make the optimizations easier, would allow us to be quicker and that kind of stuff. But really, it's it's just planning. It's 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 uh, you know looping video into the larger matrix of advertising channels out there and saying, here is my message, here are my targets, here's who I'm trying to reach and what the end result would like to be. What is the best media mix for that? Uh, thankfully, we have a bunch of, of experience in doing that kind of thing. So our you know, premium of my firm and firms like mine goes way up uh, because we know exactly how to do that. But uh, it would be neat to have a tool that is able to take all of the data out there, make sense of it, and then say, based on your objectives, this is the most effective media mix that we can think of, uh, and then do that with a with certainty. Excellent. Well, one last question, because uh, I know you're a fellow podcast um, uh, podcast mogul here. What's your favorite question to ask? Uh I'm a big fan of of icebreakers, random stuff. Um, but it's more so probably based around tools. Uh, I, I get, you know, it, we both get, everyone gets pitched by lots of vendors doing lots of neat things. Uh, and, and I am someone who, certainly as I get older, as I get more experienced in this, try to slim down the amount of tools that I use and rather than having a plethora of things for which I'm using for small things, how can I consolidate and get down to two or three things that I rely on more heavily? Uh, I feel like it's an interesting question to get, you know, to find someone who sure they use the Google suite or the Apple suite, but then what is the one thing that they layer on top of those things that is, you know, most helpful for their daily life or for their work life or for anything like that? Excellent. Tom, I appreciate your time. I know our audience is going to love this conversation. So thank you very much. Michael, this has been great. Thanks very much. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Screen Wars. I hope you enjoyed the discussion. You can find out more about Cross Screen Media at crossscreenmedia.com. Please don't forget to sign up for our weekly newsletter, State of the Screens. You can find us on social media at Cross Screen Media. Join us next time for more insights and analysis straight from the experts.